podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast on New Year's Eve of 2020. It is Thursday, the 31st of December. We can finally say goodbye to this absolute stinker of a year. We're brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A VPN is a virtual privacy network which allows you to protect your data online, and also change your online location. So if you want access, for example, to American Netflix, you can just set your location to America. The internet thinks you're in America. You will get American Netflix. If you want to save a ton of money on watching Premier League football, again, set your location to America. Get yourself an NBC Gold Pass. It's about $50 or 50 quid for the year. You get access to pretty much every single game. Those things are available to you with a Liberty Shield VPN. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout on either the hardware or software package. Both are great. Great customer service to be had as well. LibertyShield.com. Right, we've got quite a bit to talk about today. Um, so want to jump straight in. First things first, only the one game last night. Fulham Spurs was cancelled due to a COVID outbreak at Fulham. Late notice for Spurs, apparently they're not too happy about how late the notice was. Um, Mourinho had a couple of Instagram posts. Uh, Jose Mourinho is wasted on Instagram. He needs to get himself on Twitter and cause absolute havoc. But uh, yeah, Spurs not too happy. But Premier League made the decision as they had in the Manchester City versus Everton game. And it looks like the City-Everton decision was the right decision. Because it looks like City have had no more positive tests and are going to be able to to play against Chelsea at the weekend so there's not going to be too much disruption the Premier League have said that they are not currently considering the option of suspending the season for a couple of weeks as Sam Allardyce has questioned that maybe they should and others have suggested it as well I do think we might get to that point because COVID numbers continue to rise despite the lockdowns so we'll just have to wait and see but uh, it might not be the worst idea if there is like a two week circuit break might just give everything a chance to settle down a little bit, get the numbers a little bit more under control before we start again. So the one game that did go ahead last night was Liverpool away to Newcastle. It ended in a nil-nil draw. Quite a dour affair. Liverpool did have, I would say, four good chances to score. Two for Salah, two for Firmino. Uh, Carl Darlow made two wonderful saves. One from Salah in the first half, one from Firmino in the first half. The second half chances were you'd put them down as bad misses, especially the Firmino one. But all things considered, Liverpool were very poor on the night, especially in midfield where Henderson, Jones and Milner just put in stinkers. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold continues to struggle. Andy Robertson, very good again. Fabinho, very good again. Thiago Alcantara, the star of the show, came on with about 23 minutes left and just looked a class above every single other being on the planet. Um, A masterful show. It's a really good point for Newcastle. They fought really hard for it. They did have one or two decent chances themselves. Callum Wilson made Nathaniel Phillips look quite poor. 
uh, on one specific occasion, but Fabinho made a great block to deny him a, a goal-scoring opportunity. Newcastle should be happy with that point. Liverpool will not be happy. Jurgen Klopp said after the game he was happy with the performance. He's telling lies. There's no way he's happy with that performance. Liverpool were terrible. Uh, he also said that Joel Matip will be out for three weeks. I will believe it when I see it. He did once say that Joe Gomez was going to miss six weeks. He missed four months. Uh, Liverpool have said that Joe Gomez isn't ruled out for the entire season. If we see Joe Gomez at all in 2021, I'll be somewhat surprised. Um, when Matip hurt his shoulder against Man United a couple of years ago, he was out for two weeks and he ended up missing multiple months. So I wouldn't take anything Liverpool put out about injuries uh, with any grain of truth. I think they just put these things out to try and pacify the fan base and also make it known to other clubs that they're maybe they're not desperate in the January transfer market as they try to bring in a central defender. That's enough of that game. It was bad enough to watch. It was bad enough to talk about after the game on Anfield Index Pro, uh, the post-match Ross show that I do with Trev Downey and Carl Matchett and or Harry Setti. Uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to pivot and we're going to talk about Burnley very quickly. Burnley have been taken over. That is the big news. Um, Alan Pace and ALK Capital are the new majority shareholders of Burnley. It looks like Mike Garlick is going to stay on board as a director. And the Burnley fans seem to be absolutely thrilled with this. Um, they're all being very respectful to Mike Garlick, and rightly so. He's never had the money to, to own a Premier League club, but by God, he's done a great job there. He has kept them in the division with a great appointment as a, of manager. He's given what money he could. I, I know I've criticized him for not spending anything in the summer. My assumption is that they were waiting for the takeover, which has taken a little bit longer than expected. Um, Phil McNulty's BBC column suggested that the deal wasn't close, but it obviously was, and it is now done. Pace has said all the right words so far, that they're fully prepared to back the manager, that Sean Dyche is a big part of their vision for the club. That must be music to his ears. Uh, I'll be excited to see what they do in this transfer market. I'm hopeful that we'll see a couple of players land at Burnley. I'm hopeful that we'll see them maybe go to a data-based recruitment process similar to Brighton and Brentford. Clubs, I would suggest, are of a similar size to Burnley, similar financial situation to Burnley now that Burnley have this new owner. And I think it's a real real opportunity for Burnley to grow and and modernise as a club. Um, And I think they'll be all the better for it as well. Really excited to see what happens there. Going to have Chris Bowden uh, on in the next couple of weeks to talk about the takeover, Dyche's future, any transfers that happen in the meantime, anything that might happen before the end of the window. So that's one to look forward to. Um, jumping from that, uh, Garth Crooks, our favourite, has released his team of the year for 2020. And as expected, it's largely wrong. Um He's gone with Alison Becker in goal. No real argument for me, though I do think he's missed a lot of football, and I would personally go for Emmy Martinez, who I think this season in the Premier League has been the best goalkeeper, was also very good post-lockdown. Now, he didn't play a whole bunch pre-lockdown, but Alison has missed a lot of time. I, I would go for Emmy Martinez, though I do say sincerely Alison Becker is the best goalkeeper in the league. I just think Martinez has had a better 2020. He's gone with Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back. There's no real debate to be had here, though Trent has been poor this season. There's no way around that. But he was sensational last season, pre- and post-lockdown. He was great. 
hasn't found form this season. Uh, and it's a little bit concerning for Liverpool because it, it does limit them create uh, from a creative standpoint. Um, so, you know, he, he needs to refine that form. Liverpool need him to do it quickly. But he, he's probably deserving. At left-back, Andy Robertson, and, and there can be no dispute here, he has been brilliant. He had a little bit of a dip post-lockdown, but did bounce back from that fairly quick after maybe three games uh, and was very, very good from there. He's been brilliant this season, brilliant pre-lockdown. Andy Robertson, absolutely a nailed-on selection. It gets a bit weird at centre-back. He's gone for Tyron Mings, who hasn't even been Aston Villa's best centre-back. I don't think he watches football. I genuinely don't. I think he's gone for names he recognises, wanted to give a little doff of the cap to some of the outside the top six clubs, and he's gone for Tyron Mings, but it's a nonsense. Ezri Konza has outperformed him every single step of the way. Ezri Konza has been, over the course of the 12 months, probably the best defender in the country, consistently brilliant for for Villa. Uh, Their look and defensive record changed when he came into the team last season. This season, he's been magnificent for them. He is their best defender by a, a country mile. Ezri Konza should be in this team. He's gone for Fabinho as the other centre-back. Now, Fabinho, this season, 2021, the best centre-back in the league. There's no debate on that, I don't think. But he didn't play centre-back last season. A couple of games here and there prior to this season, but he didn't play centre-back last season. Virgil van Dijk is the pick there. I know he's been injured. I know he's missed 10 games or 11 games now. Prior to that, no question. The best centre-back in the league by a mile. Been great all season. Or been great all year. Virgil van Dijk is the centre-back here. There's no debate. Fabinho then finds his way into midfield. He should be in the midfield three. As ever, Garth Crooks has gone with the wrong midfield three. So he has picked Bruno Fernandes. No question. The best overall player in the Premier League in 2020. Without doubt. Bruno Fernandes is absolutely, undeniably brilliant. He has been sensational since joining Manchester United. And indeed, for the two and a half years prior to joining Manchester United, he was sensational. Uh, If you take a look at Bruno's numbers since joining United, he is challenging Frank Lampard's best ever season um, in his first year in the Premier League. But to look at the last three and a half years, of what Bruno Fernandes has put together. In the 17-18 season, he played 56 games, 16 goals and 20 assists. 18-19, 53 games, 32 goals, 18 assists. 19-20, the season he moved, 50 games, 27 goals and 22 assists. And this season, 14 goals and nine assists in 23 games. That equates to 158 goal involvements in 182 games. I don't want to hear about penalties. You still have to put the ball in the net. Bruno Fernandes is world-class. He is a phenomenal player and is deserving of all the praise that comes his way. Um, I think he has 26 goals for Sheffield United so far in the Premier League. It's ridiculous. He scores at an, at an obscene rate. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, absolutely deserving. He's gone for Grealish, and his logic... Now, he's gone for Grealish in midfield. Bear that in mind. 
The contribution Jack Grealish made to Aston Villa's Premier League survival last season was quite extraordinary. However, what has taken place since Villa's miraculous escape has been phenomenal. They put seven past Liverpool, three past Leicester with ten men, and even topped the table in the early part of the season. Grealish has been the mastermind in every single game. Now, that's that's just a bunch of words that don't mean anything. It's utter hyperbole. Grealish has barely played in midfield in 2020. He's played in the front three. When he played in midfield last year, Villa were an abomination. They took like seven points from 11 games with him in midfield. They were atrocious. They were one of the worst teams in the league. So you can't put him in your midfield three just because you want to shoehorn him into a team he doesn't deserve to be part of. Over the course of 2020, Jack Grealish does not deserve to be part of your team of the year. Simple as that. Neither does Jordan Henderson. He writes, he has the same influence on Liverpool that Kevin De Bruyne has on Manchester City. Nonsense. However, Henderson finds himself in my team of the year and De Bruyne does not. Captain Marvel has held Liverpool together and got them back to the top of the league amidst a catalogue of injuries and enormous disruptions. Meanwhile, City and De Bruyne have, found, have, have struggled to find any consistency at all this season. That said, I doubt whether De Bruyne could have retained the unbelievable standard he, have, he has set for himself. Right, th- this is just trash. Kevin De Bruyne was the best player in the Premier League in the 1920 season. This season, he has been brilliant for Manchester City. Jordan Henderson has largely been poor for Liverpool. Let's go back through the games. Leeds on the opening day, he was poor. Chelsea, he didn't play well in the first half. He got injured. He went off at halftime. Comes back for Sheffield United, does not play well. Does not play well against West Ham. Does not play well against Fulham. Does not play well against Spurs. And has been atrocious in the last two games. He played well against Leicester. He played well against Wolves. He played well against Manchester City. He had a good second half against Palace after a bad first half. Let's go back before that. The start of the year, he was playing really well. January, really good. Into February, really good. Goes to Madrid and gets injured in the Champions League. Then football stops, and then he comes Then he comes back. He was poor in the couple of Premier League games he played, bar the Brighton game, which he got hurt in. And then he missed the rest of the season. There's absolutely no way Jordan Henderson is deserving of a place in a team of 2020. He has not played well for the majority of 2020. Captain Marvel is a nonsense. An absolute nonsense. And the idea that he has held the Liverpool team together is utter garbage. The man who has held them together is Fabinho, who should be in this midfield with Bruno, with Kevin De Bruyne. Not even open for debate. And up top, he has gone for Sadio Mane, Sun Heung-min, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And look, Calvert-Lewin has been really good in 2020. Really good. But Harry Kane has been better. Harry Kane has just been better and deserves to be in this team. 
Danny Ings, over the course of 2020, has been better and deserves to be in this team. You can only really pick one. I think I'd go for Ings because I think he does it with less help. He's gone for Sadio Mane. Mane hasn't been particularly good this season. He was really good last season, but he hasn't been good this season. Meanwhile, Mo Salah continues to be the most consistent forward in the country. And yet Mo Salah doesn't make this team. And I don't really have a gripe with Son. If he'd picked Grealish on the left-hand side of a front three, I wouldn't have really had a problem with him. To pick him in midfield was a nonsense. To pick Henderson was a nonsense. To pick Tyron Mings was a joke. This man does not watch football. He just does not watch football. He watches highlight packages. And he reads trash. Garth Crooks, once again, you're a numpty. Um, that's enough of that. I can't be arsed. Uh, moving on. I wanted to do a couple of things today. So first of all, I wanted to do uh, Twitter Thursday. It been Thursday. So we'll quickly uh, have a look at the questions we've been sent in. I did ask this morning. I think we have 17 or 18 questions, which is always nice to uh, to get back in response. So starting off with Andy the Red 83. Why do Liverpool fact? Why do Liverpool fans act surprised at things they expected during the injury crisis, and act surprised at lethargic performances during Christmas period? Hectic, that's been made more hectic by our injuries over the season. Why is moaning cool? Moaning isn't cool, but people are allowed to voice their opinion. Liverpool have been largely, largely terrible for the last little while. They played really well against Palace. They were pretty good against Spurs. But, I mean, to drop points to Fulham, West Brom and Newcastle, people are entitled to be annoyed at that. They really are. And in terms of hectic, they had an eight-day gap between the Palace game and the West Brom game. So the players didn't have any excuse of being fatigued or tired or anything like that. Um, as for people being surprised by it, I don't think anyone was surprised by the result when they saw the starting midfield last night. That's just my opinion. Uh, Raz, Cho- Raj Chohan asks... Rank Maddie Cash, Max Ahrens, James Justin, Kyle Walker-Peters, Nathan Ferguson, Aaron Juan-Bissaka, and Tariq Lamptey in order of how many England caps they get. Right, I don't think Tariq Lamptey is going to declare for England. I think he will declare for Ghana. I think it's Ghana he's entitled to play for. I think that's what he'll do. Uh, I'll just rank them in order of what I think of them as all-round players. So there's a, they fall into a couple of categories. I would say Aaron's and Lamptey primarily attacking fullbacks with defensive questions. Ferguson and Wan-Bissaka, defensive fullbacks with attacking questions. James Justin, Maddie Cash, and Kyle Walker-Peters are all-round fullbacks, equally good going forward as defending. I think James Justin is the best overall of the group. Um, and I and I don't just mean the, the all-rounders. I think, I think he is the best fullback of this group overall. Um, I would say him one, Aaron's two, Wan-Bissaka three, Lamptey four, Cash five. I prefer Nathan Ferguson to Walker-Peters, so I'd go Ferguson, then Walker-Peters. He said he didn't include Trent and Reese james because they're a level above, and I, I, I would agree with that. Though I do think James Justin will make a really good career for himself. I think he's a very, very good player. Um, 
Dean Simmons asks, are Liverpool relying too heavily and putting too much pressure, too much pressure on Curtis Jones as a 19 year old in his breakthrough season? I think the answer is unquestionably yes. I think when you look at Curtis Jones career to date, I think he's played 1173 minutes, 1173 minutes. He entered this season with 68 minutes of first-team football for Liverpool. So he's almost at 20 times that amount already, uh, and we're not even halfway through the season. I think it's a lot to expect of a young player. I think we've seen him go through periods of looking really, really good and then have the odd game here and there where he perhaps doesn't look so good. Uh, Last night, he didn't look particularly good, needs to be said. Uh, he had a poor game. He had a poor game um, last time out as well. But it's not that far removed from him being man of the match against Spurs. Uh, absolutely bossing Spurs midfield. So I think he's a very, very talented player. I would like to see him... I'd like to see him develop more as an attacking midfielder than what Klopp seems to be trying to do, which is develop him more as an all-rounder, work a lot more on his defensive side. I think he does need that, obviously, but... When you look at the last great academy prospect to come through, which was Trent, he got moved out of midfield to right back and was allowed to basically just develop as an attacking player from right back. I think Curtis is similarly talented, and I think he needs to be developed as an attacking midfielder. You can put the base behind him with Fabinho and Thiago and let him be the one to to join the front three. Uh, but I'd like to see him allowed to express himself a bit more. He's playing far too much within himself. And I, I think that's by by order of management. Um, I, I understand why. I think long-term will benefit him. For the moment, though, I do think you want to let him express himself a bit more and, and get his confidence back up um, to where it was. Uh, Travis, tra- Travis Bickles. Um, who do you see being the next Thiago in terms of passing calmness, vision and range? Someone under 22. I think Ricky Puig. At Barca is is in that mold. I think he's exceptionally good on the ball, really creative, really comfortable in possession. Um, not of the same level, but Billy Gilmore at Chelsea, I, I, I like him as well. I think he's very very talented. Uh, he mentions Frankie De Jong and, and Ruben Neves. Neves is is a, a sensational passer of the ball. Sandro Tonali is another one. I think he's a great passer of the ball, very comfortable in possession. Uh, has has that calmness you talk about, and Frankie is is special. But Frankie's a little bit different in that he does multiple different things. Not only is he a great passable, he can progress the ball with his dribbling as well. So he's a slightly different type. Um, Adam Hanlon asks: Reckon there's a chance of Liverpool getting a Leipzig centre back in January, given they play them in um, February. And with that, your thoughts on David Carmo, who is linked by an account called Cop World. And your thoughts on Cop World as a source. Right, so chance of getting uh, Leipzig boys, uh, especially given we've drawn them in the Champions League. Um, some people won't know, there was a rumour going around for about a year while I was off Twitter that I was the person behind the Cop World account because I was beating the drum for Liverpool to sign Bruno Fernandes on AI podcasts and had been on Twitter previously uh, for a couple of years. And Cop World was adamant Liverpool were signing Bruno Fernandes and people decided, therefore, it was me. It was not me. 
Um, he has gotten some stuff right. He's gotten, obviously, the Bruno stuff very wrong. I don't know who he is. I don't know his level of input, whether he just makes things up or whether he actually has, you know, a legitimate connection. Um, as for David Carmel, I am a big fan. I think he is very, very huge potential. I think he would fit into how we play. He suits playing a high line. Very, very strong in the air. Good pace. Strong on the ground. Needs to, you know, develop and improve. It's his first full season as a as a senior starter. So it will take time. But he's he's a very, very, very good prospect as a centre-back. And I would very much be in favour of Liverpool signing him. Uh, he wouldn't be my first choice, but he would be 1B. Uh, Dave O'Donovan asks, with the incredible news that Tony Pulis is now available uh, after his disgraceful sacking by Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, which Premier League team do you think should act without hesitation and immediately sack their manager to replace them with the great one? I know the list is endless, but please choose one. Also, Tony is in dire need of clothes again, so please take that into consideration. Uh, which club's tracksuit and ball cap would suit him best? Must be bland. More than two colours, or and it won't, more than two colours, and it won't cut it with Tony. This is correct. Tony doesn't like anything too fancy. Um, obviously, I think every club from from City down, you know, they'd happily get rid of Pep to bring in the big man. Um, truthfully, I don't. I think Fulham could consider it. I don't think they will. I don't know that Tony would go back to London after his experiences there with with Crystal Palace. Uh, I think the, the the fancy high life was a bit too much for for his country's sensibilities. Um, West Brom would have been one, but obviously they he was there before it didn't work, and, and they brought in Big Sam. I don't think Brighton would do it. The club that if West Ham went in a slide, or if Newcastle go on a slide, you could see it. You could see it happen there because the owners aren't very good in either situation and might just do something silly. Uh, for for Newcastle, I don't know what the change would be because uh, Steve Bruce is just a Tony Pulis. Moisey's a little bit more, but Moisey can be a Pulis when he needs to be. Uh, truth be told, I don't think Tony can manage in the Premier League anymore, though I would love to see it. I, I, I would love to see it. You know, as we know, Tony only owns clothes that come from the club shop, so he's currently sitting at home in his boxers. Uh, with no clothes. So he can't even leave the house. Lockdown or not, he couldn't leave the house. Um, it's a tragic shame. And someone, if you, if anyone has some spare club clothing, and as Dave says, no more than two colors, if you could send it to him. If you have the time, just embroider TP on the, on, on the, the, the chest of it so that he knows it's for him. Um, what a collection of clothing that man must have. Uh, Jay Bex asks, if Southgate quit tomorrow, who would make a good replacement? Bielsa would be my choice. I would love to see Bielsa in charge of England. I think that would be phenomenal. Can you imagine how entertaining they would be? Like, if he goes 4-1-4-1, you'd have to imagine it's Pope or Henderson in goal, without question. He's not picking tiny arms. Um... Trent is right back. Chilwell is left back. No problems there. He's going to want progressive, pacey players at centre-back. Progressive, I think Declan Rice slides back in. Pacey, good defender. I think Ezri Konza sits in next to him. I think that's the England centre-back pairing. Calvin Phillips is a no-brainer in front of them. 
Sterling and Sancho would be the wide players. Harry Kane would be the nine. And then it's those two central midfield spots. And he has loads of options there. He can go with the youth of a Jude Bellingham, the experience of a Jordan Henderson. I think Henderson would really enjoy playing under him as a as an advanced eight who could just endlessly go box to box. Uh, I think you get the most of Jordan Henderson. Then you have him off the ball, in possession, on the ball, out of possession. That's where he really thrives. When Jordan Henderson plays that kind of role, then Jordan Henderson is a good player. Then you want him in your team. When he plays the six, you don't want him in your team. Um, the other one then, he might go a bit more creative. Uh, maybe a James Madison, maybe a Mason Mount. Uh, you could see Mount and Madison played in some games against lesser oppositions, but plenty of options there. A high-tempo, aggressive style of play it would be such a change from how England play. There's not a hope they'd ever consider appoint- appointing him, though, because he might ask questions of why the FA are so inept. So if he does quit, I would expect that the next England manager is probably Eddie Howe because they will see him as a progressive manager, but not necessarily someone who's too big for their boots and not necessarily somebody who'll ask too many big questions. But And I like Eddie Howe, but I, I, I don't think he'd walk in and want to throw the furniture around, whereas Bielsa's walking and burning the, burning the place to the ground. Um, Arturo Cordial asks, would David Alaba be a good signing for Liverpool as potentially a centre-back or even better as a versatile player? Uh, contract running out in June Byron would price out of a move in January but I'd imagine a whole bunch of clubs would be approaching him yes he would absolutely make a great signing I think he can play centre back he is the best left back in the world when he plays there he is world class in midfield he could play as the holding midfielder or as a number 8 so he could play holding midfield and allow Fabinho to play centre back he could play Ginny, Ginny Wijnaldum's role on the left side of that midfield 3 I, I would be throwing the big bag of money, like the really big bag of money at him. If I was Liverpool, I think every club should be doing it. He is, he's world-class in at least three positions. He's very, very special. He's in, he's one of the top 15, 20 players in the world. There's no doubt. He is just so good. Slots in anywhere. And it's just brilliant. And it's all very easy to him. Um, sensational footballer. Um, Alex Wilson, Based on stylistic fit for the club, allocate Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Chelsea and Spurs one of Mbappe, Sancho, Haaland, Joe Felix and Vinicius Jr. Oh, this is good. I like this. Okay, so um, oh, let me come back to that. I need to think about that. Uh, Top red, top red three. How do we solve the issues created by the VVD injury? His ability to create from deep, his aerial dominance and ability to play the play the high line to maximum effect without signing a centre-back. Is there something we can do to fix the fundamental systemic issues with the current personnel? I genuinely don't think there is. If Matip wasn't broken constantly, I, I think you'd be okay because Matip and Fabinho are both Fabinho's brilliant, Matip is very good, and they make a good partnership, and I think you can play that, then play Thiago as your six, play Henderson to one side and Wijnaldum to the other of him, let them just go box to box, let Thiago run the show in midfield, get Trent and Robbo bombing forward, and I think you fix a lot of the problems there. The issue is, 
Joel Matip is just not reliable. And you can't play as high a line with Fabinho anyway because he doesn't have Virgil's pace, but you also can't play it with a Nat Phillips or a Reese Williams. Um, none of the midfielders make sense at centre-back. Henderson can't play centre-back. Ginny's too short. There is no option. I'm sorry. Liverpool need to sign a centre-back. If Liverpool sign a centre-back, I think they win the league quite comfortably. If they don't, they're they're being negligent and potentially throwing, throwing away a Premier League title. Uh, Hefty Horse asks, what are your top films and shows of 2020? Ooh, um, I watched Downton, I know it's not new, I watched Downton Abbey in 2020, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I watched The Crown, and I really enjoyed it. Those don't set me in the best light to some people, but they are what they are. I watched Vikings in 2020, loved it. Um, thought it was tremendous. What other great shows did I watch this year? Um, I mean, I, I, Line of Duty and things like that, they're old shows that I watched, but they they started earlier, and I, I've watched them as they've come out. Same with the likes of Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. I've been watching them since the start, but I do love both of those shows. The Good Doctor, I started watching this year and really enjoyed it. Um, I watched the first season, so it's more of that. I watched the first season of Billions and thought that was great. I want to get into Succession. Um, but I know these shows didn't start in 2020. So for things that came out in 2020, I genuinely couldn't tell you. I don't think I've actually sat down and watched anything that's come out in 2020 as a show. I did not watch The Boys Guy, no. I, I did not watch that. That's the one on, on Amazon, isn't it? Uh, Rory Greenfeld, I think, is a big fan of that one. I haven't seen it. Um, and the same kind of with films. I've sort of let a lot of stuff bypass me with this weird year. Um, so I've watched a lot of older films and rewatch some stuff so yeah i can't i know i know it's a terrible answer but for a tv show downton abbey is genuinely the best thing i've seen this year and i, I don't know why um mohammed luckman asks what position did you play in rugby uh, i played as uh, I, I initially started as a fullback when i was young i played as a hooker for most of my time um played to ail division two uh, with Carlo, and do I still watch sport? Yeah, I watch. I watch a, a bit of it when I can. I, since I started doing this, and I'm trying to watch every Premier League game. I don't have as much time, but I do watch it when I can. I'll watch mostly international stuff, and I, I try and keep. I try and watch a lot of the, the Super Rugby from the Southern Hemisphere more so than the um, the Gallagher Premier League or the the Guinness Pro Pro 14. I, I haven't watched enough of them of late. I'll try and watch Leinster or Munster when they're on. If I'm if there's no football on it or if I can find it afterwards, but it's it's not as easy to find rugby after the fact as it is with football, where you can like go on white on Y Scout and stuff like that and just watch the full game there. Um, yeah, oh, there you go, Mohammed. I hope that answers your hope that answers your question for you, mate. Um, Tom on the cop might be a long one, but your best five for each of the for each position in the Premier League. You know what? I'll answer that one tomorrow. Um, I'll do that one tomorrow. I, I need to actually sit down and think about that. Um, Mikhail Campbell asks, would he and Cup Miners be a good fit for Liverpool? I really like him. I think he's a tremendous player. He's only 20, 21. Uh, he's really, really good. He's got an incredible left foot. Holding midfield, centre-back, 
great free kick taker, good penalty taker, sensational passer of the ball. Does lack a little bit of pace. I think he could play for Liverpool with the right pair of centre-backs behind him, pushing up, compressing the space, and and not leaving gaps in behind. Because um, I, I think that's the one area he's he's not the most mobile. But I do think he could play for Liverpool. Would he be the best fit? Probably not. I think him and Thiago might be a little bit redundant. But look, if they signed him, I'd be thrilled. Um, if he if you were he, he couldn't play centre back for Liverpool though not not in the current cell. Um, Mike Shadrick asks the same questions. It doesn't get a lot of shouts. Uh, Coop Miners, have you seen him? Yeah, I, I think he's really really good. I think he's better as a midfielder than a centre back. I would take him to Liverpool, but he's not an ideal fit. But I, I'd love to see what Klopp could do with him. Uh, you know, you could you can change the team around. You can change the shape. I think there's a way you make him work brilliantly. Um. And he also asks, I've seen rumours on Twitter suggesting Michael Alisi has a buyout of £8 million. If true, seems like a no-brainer. If not, what do you think he costs? I think if he doesn't have that buyout, he's about £20 million. I think that buyout is real. I'm almost certain I've seen a couple of reliable journalists say that that, is, that buyout is real. So uh, it's a no-brainer for any Premier League club. Uh, so right back to this, this question from Alex Wilson. Based on the best stylistic fit for the club, allocate Liverpool... Man City, Man United, Chelsea and Spurs. One of Mbappe, Sancho, Haaland, João Felix or Vinicius. Okay, so for United, given how they play, I think Vinicius is the best fit. They need a right winger. They need a direct right winger. Someone that has lightning pace, can play off the ball, make runs in behind. I think Vinicius is more effective in that type of role than Sancho would be. So I'd go Vinicius to United. City's biggest need is a left winger, but there's no left wingers here. Sancho and Vinicius can play left wing, but Sancho's not going to go back to City. And and they need a left-footed left winger to to make what they want to do work. They also need a striker. I think Mbappe would be the one. I think he'd allow them to stretch the field a lot more can also drop out to the left-hand side. And if you're playing Sterling on the left, those two can dovetail and swap in and out. So I'd go Mbappe to City. I think Chelsea, I think Haaland. I think Haaland for Chelsea is the one. Um, Yeah, I think Haaland for Chelsea would be incredible. I think they need that main number nine. I, I a better version of Oli Giroud. I, I, he's kind of a, a bit Oli Giroud, a bit Tammy Abraham, and then a lot of something else. I think he's really special. I think if you put him as a nine with Werner on the right of him and Pulisic on the left of him and Havertz in behind him, I think that would be terrifying. Um, for Spurs, I'd go Jason Jaden Sancho. I think they need more creativity. I think they need someone that predominantly plays on the right-hand side, which suits him. I think Kane and Son would have an absolute blast playing with him. I think he'd be brilliant for them. So I'll go Sancho there. And that leaves Joe Felix for Liverpool, which is the one I would want, uh, of all considered. I think as a replacement for Firmino, who will play that number nine role, but also drop off. Be creative, be inventive, a good dribbler, a good finisher. Well, he's a better finisher than Firmino, but he's a very good dribbler, really good passer of the ball. 
can play as a nine, off a nine, either either wide spot, can play as, a, as an out and out ten. I think Joe Felix is such a special player. He's been brilliant for Atletico this season. So, yeah, I, I would go Vinicius to United, um, Mbappe to City, Haaland to Chelsea, Sancho to Spurs, and Felix to Liverpool. Admittedly, United are getting the short end of the stick here because Vinicius isn't quite of the level of those others. Now, he does have the talent to be. He's maybe not aggressive enough. And maybe Rodrigo, the other Brazilian at Real, might be a better fit for them. But um, that type of right winger who'll play and off the ball and make those runs in behind, I think Vinicius would actually tear the league up playing for United in truth. So let's hope they don't sign him. Um, I think that's it. I got to everything. Oh, Connor Sheehan, your personal winners of the last 10 years, Ballon d'Or, and not the popularity uh, contest it is now. Personally, think Wes Schneider should have had one, Mascherano overlooked, and Suarez overlooked. I will will answer this. I will have to go back through the last couple of years, the last 10 years, and and have a look back. But it has definitely become a popularity contest, and it has had a number of undeserving winners. like, I would never suggest that Messi hasn't been the best player over that time, but there have been individual seasons where he hasn't been the best. Cristiano has a couple he doesn't deserve as well. Uh, so I'll I'll do that one next week, Connor, I promise. Um, and I will also do the the one from Tom on the Cop. Um, I'll, I'll try and do it tomorrow. If not, I'll do it next week. Maybe Wednesday or something of next week. Um, right, to wrap up, I wanted to go through... I did this in the summer. Well, what was the summer? Uh, 20 players for 20 clubs. So basically suggesting a signing for each Premier League club based on what I, I think their needs are and what needs we've seen established for them uh, over this season so far. So I'll, I'll just go alphabetically. For Arsenal, we know creativity is the biggest issue there. And with the move they've made to the 4-2-3-1, I think Emi Buendia would fit like a glove in that number 10 spot. Um, he is superbly creative. This season, he has finally added goals to his game and I think has added more aggression to his game as well, is is enforcing his will on games more than he has in previous seasons. Uh, I think Emi Buendia would be a really good, effective signing for Arsenal that wouldn't cost stupid money. And I don't, I don't think he's the type that, as your team develops and gets better, he's only 24. I don't think he's the type that's hit his ceiling yet. So I think he will develop a little bit more and give you more as your team becomes more. And I think he'll also get better as the players around him get better. Um, For Aston Villa, I think a centre-back. I know they've got a really good defensive record. But I don't think Tyron Mings is, is up to much. Um, I would say a centre-back to play next to Ezri Konza is probably the biggest need there. You could argue maybe some depth, but Maddie Cash is a really good right-back. Left-back was the other spot I can, considered, but I, I think centre-back is a bigger need. I think Mings is a bigger weak point than target. Um, Duje Coletacar at Marseille. Obviously, French League in financial bother. I think Coletta Carr stylistically will be a good fit for Villa as a progressive centre-back. He's aggressive, good in the air, 
strong in the tackle, good passer of the ball. Don't think he's an elite level centre back, but I do think he'd be a very good player for City or for for Villa, and would be an upgrade on Mings and would allow Mings to become the third centre back. I think he'd be well well cast in that role. Um, for Brighton, it's a striker. It has to be a striker. It has to be a target man striker who can score goals. Uh, Voot Weghorst was my pick in the summer, but I'm going to say Maxi Gomez of Valencia. Valencia, a, a club in turmoil as always. Um, rumors that in January they're going to have to sell a couple more players. He is one that has been linked with an exit. They tried to sign his international teammate, Darwin Nunes, in the summer. I think Gomez makes a lot of sense for them. So Maxi Gomez for Brighton at 24, natural-born goal scorer. Hasn't been great for Valencia, but at Celta, he was tremendous. I think he works there really well. Um, so with Burnley, I don't know what the financial situation is going to be, but I would really like to see them get in a creative player who can play from wide out to in and add something different, add a different dimension to the team. Now, before the takeover, when I made this list, I went for Emil Smith-Rowe on loan from Arsenal, thinking Buendia comes in for him, he needs games, let's get him out on loan. I think he'd fit perfectly into the Burnley team on the right of the midfield four. So I'll I'll stick with him, I think he's a nice fit there. Um, for Chelsea, I think a holding midfielder. I think a sitting holding midfielder is what they need. Someone that's good on the ball, comfortable in possession, positionally clever. Uh, I've gone for Igor Zabeldia of Real Sociedad, 23 years of age, very underrated player, very good on the ball, good sense of position, shields the defense really well, doesn't make mistakes. A more physical, defensive-minded version of Jorginho, maybe not as good a passer, but he's a very good passer as well. I really like him. I think he'd be a very good fit there. For Crystal Palace, I've gone for um, for the one we were asked about earlier, which was uh, Michael Alise from Reading. Now, I'm basing it on the buyout clause being real, but I think him for $8 million, bring in, play on the right-hand side opposite Eberichi Easy. Now you've got real creativity, dribbling, and progression on both flanks. Zaha then playing off the striker, and if Batshuayi could find form, that as a front four would be very, very exciting. So I would go with Michael Elise for them. For Everton, I think right back is the biggest need. Um, Yusuf Atal of Nice is the one I'd go for. I think they've been far too reliant on Luca Dina. I think they need someone that can be equally as productive on the other side. He's not as good a crosser, but he's a better ball carrier. He's an incredible dribbler. I think Yusuf Atal will be available for probably around 14 to 16 million this window. Uh, maybe even less with the problems they're having in France uh, after the TV deal collapsed. So I, I think he'd be a great fit. 24, I think he is. So right in, in the right age bracket for the, the project at, at Everton. Uh, and he's really good. Um, right, so for Fulham, they obviously can't... I don't think they'll spend a huge amount given they could potentially get relegated. But I think they need more goals. And Arcadius Milik is sitting, rotting in the reserves of Napoli, having not been registered for the Serie A season. He hasn't kicked a ball in anger. Um, he's out of contract in the summer. 
there's been rumors that he's available on loan. If not, he might be available on a very cheap deal. I wonder if you could buy him for five million, maybe. Napoli might just take it to just get rid of him and get something in for an asset they're going to lose in the summer. What I would suggest then is you sign him to a six-month deal. And I know it seems weird to sign a player for five million on a six-month contract, but sign him for six months and say to him, look, if we stay up, here's a four-year contract that automatically triggers loads of money, London lifestyle, you'll love it. If not, you're a free agent. I think he goes for that deal, protects his future, doesn't tie him to a club if they go down, doesn't tie them to a big salary if they go down. I think that five million gamble could be worth it because the money for staying in the Premier League is obviously massive. I think it would benefit them. It's that's what I would try if it was me. Um, for Leeds, I think a central midfielder, someone to give them a little bit more control in games, uh, would be really good. And I've gone for Lewis Cook, former Leeds player at Bournemouth, having a good season, but I think far too good for the championship. I think he'd jump in a move back to Leeds. I think he'd fit Bielsa's style. He's a very, very good player. I'm a big, big fan. For Leicester, I think a right-sided attacker is still the need. I know they brought in Changis under, but he hasn't really worked. Brendan does seem to prefer to have that pacey, right-footed option on the right. So we're seeing a a lot of Matty Albrighton this season. Ishmael Asar at Watford. Watford are a club in constant turmoil. They don't really seem to have any long-term plan. I think they take... 25 million from in January because they don't look like they're going to be a team that gets promoted uh, based on what we've seen so far. So I think Ishmael Asar would be a really nice fit there. Um, I think he's got a high, high ceiling that I think Brendan would do well in coaching. I think Brendan could make could make quite a lot out of him as a player. Um, for Liverpool, I've gone with Sven Botman because a centre-back is the need. Sven Botman or David Carmo, either of them they they just both make tons and tons of sense. They're both going to be available. Botman because Lille are in financial trouble. Carmel because he has a buyout clause. Botman is 20. Carmel is 21. They're both left-sided. One six four, the other 6-5. They're both dominant in the air. They're both good passes to the ball. Botman's a little bit more refined. Carmel's a, more of an athlete, more aggressive. Uh, I, I'll be happy with either. For City, I think left-back is the one that you solve in January I think you dip into the same well that Brighton went to of Valencia with Jose Gea, the the left back there. Um, I think he's an ideal fit for how Pep wants to play. I think he's got consistency to his game, good delivery, solid defensively, really good going forward, great energy. I think he's due a move to a top club, um, and I think he'd fit well for City. For United, I think it's a holding midfielder. I think that's the biggest need there. I think you want someone that can be a progressive passer because I think you want someone with some similarities to what Matic was when he was at his best. Um, So really good positionally, good defensively, strong in the tackle, good on the ball. Marcelo Brozovic of Inter Milan. He's obviously an important player for Inter, but I do think he might be available. I think Inter have struggled a little bit with the COVID finance side of things. And I think they might be open to a sale. He's been linked to Liverpool and a couple of other clubs in the past. Chelsea as well, I think. I think he'd be a really good fit 
for what Manchester United need. Um, for Newcastle, goals, just, just more goals. Uh, and although this man is not a prolific goal scorer, he has an established understanding with the guy they brought in in the summer to score goals and the guy they brought in the summer to create the goals, Wilson and Frazier. Josh King, out of contract in the summer. He will be on the cheap. He has fallen massively out of favour at Bournemouth. I that would make a lot of sense for them. Uh, for Sheffield United, again, similar situation to Fulham, but obviously more dire. I think they need... I just, I, a lot of people said they need a left-side centre-back, and they do, and that's absolutely true. But I also think they need just make more of a fight of it going forward. Find a way to get more goals or more energy into your team. Jesse Lingard is out of contract in the summer. Now, I think United have an option to extend that for a year, which I believe they will trigger. So I think they could get Jesse Lingard on loan for six months. United triggered the automatic option. If he does well, they'll find a buyer in the summer for him. It's a good shop window for him. It's a good shop window for United. He makes sense for them, uh, for Sheffield United. He can play in the midfield three. He can play an attacking three, give pace, movement, good off-the-ball player. Has shown he can score goals when given a run of games. I think Jesse Lingard is is a decent player, and I think he'd do well at Sheffield United, or as well as anyone can do in the current circumstances of what that team is. For Southampton, I think an attacking midfielder, someone to bring more creativity to the team, someone who can add goals from midfield, and I think Todd Cantwell of Norwich is that player. Um, I know I've got two Norwich players in this, and they are likely to get promoted, but I still think they're the signings that make sense. And I'm, I've tried to be as realistic as possible and go within what I think is a realistic budget. I've tried not to pick too many players from the same club. I could have had four or five from Lille. I tried to limit it to two per club um, that were getting players nicked off them. So there's two from Bournemouth, two from Norwich, two from Valencia and two from Lille. And there's another from Manchester United to come as well. Um, but I, yeah, I think Todd Cantwell would make a lot of sense at Southampton. I also think I'd love to see him at Burnley. I think him on the left and McNeil on the right would really work. But I just don't know how quickly the funds are going to become available there, which is why I went with um, Emile Smith-Rowe. Uh, for Spurs, I think they need an upgrade on Musa Sissoko. I think Jose likes having that type of player. So Bubakari Samara of Lille, the second Lille player, I think he's an ideal fit there. He is he is what people think Sissoko is and and more. He's really, really good. Uh, I think he'd be a, a really good fit there. For West Brom, again, you're looking at a team that could go down and maybe won't want to spend a whole bunch of money. I've gone for Phil Jones on loan from United. Now, I know he's out injured, but I think he's due back in January. He made his debut at Blackburn under Big Sam. He plays the style of football Big Sam likes. Big Sam plays a style that will suit Phil Jones. And Phil Jones is a much better defender than people give him credit for when he plays a style that suits him. And that will work at West Brom. I, I think that is a signing that makes sense for all parties. For United, it gets him out of the door, uh, at least temporarily, puts him in the shop window. For him, he gets playing football again. And for West Brom, they get in a competent centre-back who's better than everybody they have at the moment. Um, West Ham it has to be a left back it just has to be a left back and I think the ideal one is Rico Henry at Brentford they were linked in the summer they didn't make the move they did buy uh, Ben Rama from Brentford so they've opened a line of communication there the relationship seems to be quite good I think Rico Henry would be a really good fit 
a really, really good fit at West Ham, especially if they're going to keep playing the back three. Because I think he could be even better as a wing back than he is a full back, and he's a good full back. So Rico Henry. And then Wolves, last but not least, uh, they need a striker. They just desperately need a striker. I know that the Diego Costa thing that I started is going around a little bit. Um, but Luka Jovic of Real Madrid absolutely had a horror of a time at Real. Doesn't suit playing as a lone striker, but in a two, as he played at Eintracht Frankfurt, lethal. I think he can play up front with Fabio Silva. I think he can play up front by his own in that Wolves team, given how they play. Wolves play a very different style to Real Madrid, obviously, and their wide players play much narrower to Real's. I think he could work in that Wolves team. And then when Jimenez comes back, I think he'll work even better because I think those two together could be lethal, especially if you play Adama and Neto on the wings. I mean, the, the and then with Aitnuri and Semedo at fullback, the supply would be absolutely incredible. Uh, I'd love to see him at West Ham because I'd love to see him back with Halar, but I, I think West Ham will probably look at a left-back rather than a striker. And I don't think Moyes likes playing with two strikers, certainly not at the moment. Um, so I'll go Henry for West Ham, and I think Luka Jovic as the one for for Wolves. I think that's it. That is 20 signings for 20 clubs. Let me know what you think. Um if you've got any suggestions, any alternatives. But again, I was trying to be realistic, stay within, you know, a realistic budget, not target players that I don't think the clubs could get um, and not obviously decimate one specific club just to fill five or six needs because Lille could do that. Lille have... Off the top of my head, Lille have six players that could walk into Premier League teams. And be really, really good. So I think um, I think we'll leave them alone at just the two. Uh, that is it. That is the show for today. Thank you, as always, to Guy Drinkle for his his work behind the scenes. Thank you to Fox Hunt for the title music. Thank you to you for listening to this podcast since it started, right up until today, in growing numbers every single week. It is so good to see uh, the support, and it it really does help with this podcast. Um, I wish you all a very happy new year. It will be 2021 when we speak tomorrow. Uh, I hope you all have a good night. Stay safe. Don't do anything silly. No house parties. I know how you like to be. Like to get yourself a little house party on on New Year's. Get a little bit of drink going. And, you know, some some of those, that finger food you all like to have. And then get obnoxiously drunk and fall over the back of the couch. And end up upside down. None of that. None of it. Right, we've had a hard enough year. Let's not start 2021 with a hangover. Um, but seriously, have a really good night. Make the most of it. Call those that you can't see. Check in on anybody that you know that's going to be spending the night alone. Nobody should be alone at New Year's. Um, and that's it. Take care of yourselves. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.